Oh, welcome to Worship Quest Wednesdays. Our topic for this episode is multi-generational worship, or some may call it intergenerational worship. Uh, during our video, we will use these two terms synonymously. Our guests today are Dr. Stephen Martin and Tyler Greek. I have known Stephen since our days as undergraduate students together at Azusa Pacific University in Southern California, and now have the great honor and privilege of uh, serving together as co-workers at APU, uh, teaching the next generation of worship leaders, which is a great passion of both of ours. And Tyler was a student of mine at APU. Uh, that's how I first met him. And really, Tyler is responsible partly for my first book, Worship Quest, wow. uh, because it was in during one of the class sessions that we were teaching on, or I was teaching on um, the different gatherings of worship and the roles of worship leadership that are required for those gatherings. And I remember Tyler was one of a few students who, after that discussion, said, you really should put this in book form. You should write a book about this. And I had already thought about that, about that possibility. But it was that moment that really was the impetus to say, OK, I'm going to do this. Um, so I guess I owe some royalties to Tyler or something. It'll be enough to buy you a half a cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Later, uh, Tyler traveled to Pakistan uh, with me and our ministry, Worship Quest Ministries, to teach at conferences there and uh, in schools, the Tehalim School of Church Music and Worship, and in churches doing ministry. Uh, Tyler, it's uh, an honor and privilege knowing you and to become a friend even after all these years. So let me tell you just a little bit about both of these gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Stephen Martin is the Director of Worship Studies at Azusa Pacific University, teaching courses in worship leadership and technology, design, songwriting, conducting, and arranging. He also serves as the Director of the Angelus Worship Initiative, which is a grant-funded project designed to foster innovation in intergenerational worship and the arts. Uh, Stephen has been active as an educator, music director, a conductor for more than 20 years. He regularly serves as a consultant for church leaders and ministries and has arranged and scored music for film, symphonic orchestra, big band, vocal jazz, chamber groups, has led over 300 volunteers in church music ministry. Um, the Lord has really given him a gift to the church. And thank you, Stephen, for being here with us today. Thanks for the opportunity. Excited about this conversation. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Greek currently serves as the Director of Worship Arts and Young Adults at Chino Valley Community Church in Chino Hills, California. He holds a worship leadership degree from APU and is currently working on his Master's of Divinity with an emphasis in evangelism and discipleship at Talbot Theological Seminary. Tyler is passionate about engaging and leading the gathered body of Christ in Christ-centered, authentic worship through music and the arts. He's an outdoor enthusiast, a fast food, or I'm sorry, not fast food, a food connoisseur, and a baseball fanatic, 
although he roots for the team that my wife roots for, which is not the team that I root for. Uh, that's okay. Um, and rumor has it that he plays a mean game of ping pong. So uh, you might have to take him up on that sometime if you guys get together. Thanks, Tyler. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. Uh, so let's just jump right in. Multi-generational or intergenerational worship. Um, why are we having this conversation? Why do you think that this is important? Well, maybe I'll jump in and Tyler can, can give his thoughts. I think in some ways we've seen over the past 30 to 40 years, a kind of almost segregation between generations in worship, mm -hmm. if I can put it that way. And not necessarily that's a bad thing in itself, but often um, my friend Chris Neal calls it the one-eared Mickey Mouse. We have sort of the head of Mickey Mouse, uh, the adults in a worship space on the weekends. And then the one ear off to the side is say junior high, high school or children in their own kind of siloed spaces. And that is good and well for all that it is. Um, healthy community being built there and that peer relationship. But oftentimes those groups never cross paths um, or very, very rarely. And maybe don't even worship together in a shared space. And so, um, you know, what does that mean? Is this, is this something that we need to be concerned with? And it turns out, even in the research and in anecdotal evidence, youth really want to be alongside adults at some point. Um, maybe not all the time. That's fair. Sure. But uh, there's a kind of mentoring relationship that's possible. I think a formative aspect, uh, spiritual formation and growth, um, that kind of modeling. And I think in some ways our adults have something to learn from youth. And so what is that? You know, are we, are we open to that as well? Um, and it's certainly the, the worship conversation as a whole has much, much to offer there. So um, there's probably more to say. There's, you know, I think about even the biblical and theological foundations for intergenerational worship, and maybe we'll go there at some point, but uh, those are kind of initial thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, so last uh, year and a half, I've had the opportunity to work with specifically college and young adults. And part of that has, um, as a young adult, more veering towards the end of that in my stage of life, but uh, have you know, really uh, stepping into that scene, kind of the, the gap between a lot of young adults and college students who are uh, feel, you know, that they're on the margins of church life and community and, um, and, you know, totally agree with what um, Stephen was saying as in regards to, you know, the, we have these gaps within our, our churches, um, where, um, you know, we're, we're connected, but not fully connected. And, um, and I think that there's, you know, that form, the formation of people, um, 
you know, goes across generations um, and that we have, you know, something to learn. I think, you know, even, you know, I think the Bible even commands us to teach, you know, I was reflecting upon um, going there right now uh, with biblical stuff, but um, reflecting upon, you know, Psalm 78 specifically is a, a Psalm directly commanded to teach the next generation um, so that they may know the, know God and praise him. And so in worship, um, you know, there's a, there's a key aspect of, um, you know, if we see worship as formation of the soul and um, that we are becoming conformed more and more to his image, um, I think there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had about how we're involving various generations in that for the sake of the next generation, but also for those who are uh, of older generations as well being formed by those of younger yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, thinking of modeling worship, how do we disciple and teach younger generations how to sit through a worship service on a Sunday morning if they're never given the opportunity to sit through a worship service on a Sunday morning? Um, I mean, we've seen that more and more uh, with the division of um, worship groups, you know, of children's worship and big church worship, uh, where um, we have a lot of adults who say, well, the kids can't sit through an hour and a half worship service. Well, they can sit through an hour and a half Pixar movie just fine. Um, so I think they can. I think the question is more a question of engagement, right, than anything else. Are we engaging all generations? And we can we can address that you know in a little bit. But going back to the biblical, um, yeah, Tyler, you mentioned Psalm seventy eight, Psalm one forty five. One generation shall commend your works to another generation. Uh, Psalm seventy one, which I wrote out here. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me. So here, here, all the way from when I was a young one, you've taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds, even when I'm older. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. So here, I was poured into, now let me turn around and pour into others. And we can do that through accountability groups. We can do that through one-on-one -on -one discipleship. But I think we can also do that through congregational worship, you know, that our time together as a large group can be a time of discipleship for the next generation to see what's to come. Um, yeah. I'll just jump in there too and piggyback, uh, Stephen, on those beautiful Psalms. And it also takes me back to the Shema Yisrael, Deuteronomy 6. Um, yeah. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, you know, with all of your heart, your soul, your strength. Um, may this be alive and present in your hearts and then impress it on your children. You know, right there, one of the most oft quoted passages and still in Judaism. Um, I also think about the mentoring relationships uh, throughout the biblical Old and New Testament. 
um, Moses and Joshua, mm-hmm. Elijah and Elisha. There's so many, Eli and Samuel, Paul and Timothy, and Jesus and the disciples. They're just, they're all through the text. So, yeah. And I think of Jesus and the disciples, he called adults to be his core group of disciples. But I mean, we all know that Jesus also didn't push the children away, right? The disciples tried to, but Jesus said, no, we're going to welcome the children. And Jesus spent time with the kids and discipled them as well. Yeah, you almost wonder, you know, you know, we talk about like the feeding of the 5,000 where, um, you know, we say that, well, those were just the men and there was a lot, actually a lot more. You, you know, you can imagine possibly even families, whole families following Jesus through, you know, on his ministry journey, um, to have kids present there, even hearing Jesus's words. Yeah. Um. What are some of the ways then, if we believe this to be important, that we can begin to incorporate multi-generational worship into our worship services on Sunday mornings? Well, I'm, I'm fascinated to learn from Tyler because Tyler is, uh, is on the ground um, doing all of this right now. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll just offer a couple things and then curious to see what, uh, what you want to say, Tyler. But I think maybe part of the question or the subtext of that question is what do we count as worship? There's a kind of maybe limiting factor or boundary that we could place on that. Maybe that's healthy. Or is there a way of expanding that boundary and opening up a whole host of possibilities that are all port part of the corporate worship gathering and contributing to even the leadership of it. That's been part of our experience at the Angelus Worship Initiative is youth really do want to lead. They want those opportunities. They, I think they need actually those opportunities to grow and develop in their formation um, and leadership is a part of that formative process, which is a little scary because I think for adults that can be scary, you know, because I'm giving away a moment of responsibility that I cannot control. Once, once the moment is happening, it's happening, you know, whatever that means, musically, speaking, poetry, artistic, whatever. So that giving away though, the risk involved is so beautiful. I mean, that handoff I wonder if we could see more and more of the beauty of that handoff and the, um, the, you know, the, the potential of that, you know? So anyway, that's where I'd start, but Tyler, I'm so curious to hear from you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, to say that I'm a, have, uh, a lot of experience in this, you know, I'm, uh, still learning so much, uh, just of how to do this faithfully. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I feel like I've encountered within our, at least particularly my context is, and I, I would say this 
probably reaches farther than my own context is, you know, that idea of, um, you know, seeing everything we do as an opportunity for discipleship in within our, our services, but even, yeah, if we talk about worship being all of life itself, you know, that there's so many opportunities to bring in, uh, you, if we're going to talk youth specifically in that regards. Um, but I think we've, I think we've in some ways, uh, are, are seeking after X, an idea of performance. We have like this, you know, image that, you know, our services need to be perfect and streamless and, um, and while that's, those are great things, uh, the excellence of that, um, I wonder, do we leave any room uh, for failure, not for the sake of, um, you know, that we're, we're seeking out to fail and have, you know, flaws, but mm -hmm. that we have people are specifically younger generations who may have a heart and a desire to lead. And are we giving them the space to try? and to, you know, potentially fail for the sake of not because, uh, you know, we're because, well, first that we're concerned more about them rather than um, the, I guess, the final product being this perfectly shaped, uh, you know, uh, I don't present, I guess, uh, that's, that's, you know, being given that, you know, our, our, our goal is to see youth um, and this opportunity to help them grow in that. Um, and, you know, being okay, maybe with some of the, um, you know, the, the, the little mishaps or things that maybe don't go exactly as planned because our hearts are for seeing uh, youth uh, get the confidence and even the opportunity experience to, uh, you know, to do those things. I know for myself, uh, you know, when I was in early in high school, um, so it, I, you know, it's passionate to me, I think, because of my own story and uh, leaders who saw me as a, you know, a young, inexperienced high schooler with, you know, lack of confidence on stage and um, saying, you know, you have a gift. And like, I want and I want to use, you know, I want to, uh, you know, I want to mentor you and to bring you, you know, help you grow. Cause I see this as a gift that, you know, you can use to serve God. And honestly, I don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing today. If it wasn't for those individuals, you know, at my church that saw that and encouraged me and gave me opportunities to lead. Um, yeah. and you know, sometimes it was, you know, went, went poorly and those were growing opportunities and, and formed me through that. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting that so many of us have a similar story that when we were younger, someone gave us an opportunity to step up and lead. But then when we're older, we struggle with allowing somebody else to step up and lead. <laughs> like we should be the ones who are pushing this idea because we know that it works, right? But then we struggle with that 
And I think just a big part of that is that old adage, if you want to do something right, do it yourself, right? It's hard for us to say, okay, I'm going to take this grip that I have on this. I'm going to loosen my grip and let somebody else kind of take, take the lead of this. And quite frankly, discipleship is much harder work than just doing it yourself. You know, it, uh, I've been in church situations where, because I was the full-time worship pastor, I was expected to lead every single Sunday. Um, that was a struggle for me because my heart and my passion is discipleship and training up others. I am now in a church setting where it's the complete opposite to where they don't want me on the platform every Sunday, not because I can't do it, but because they want to see the development in others. And they realize, and the elders have told me this, we know when we see someone else up there and not you, we know that you put in extra work this week because it's harder to have somebody else do it. You have to work harder behind the scenes in preparation, as well as in the implementation, right, to help them. Um, so it is very interesting that those of us that were given that opportunity oftentimes struggle to give that opportunity to somebody else. I think of the uh, Proverbs 14. It says, I think it's verse four, somewhere near the beginning. It says, where there's no ox in the barn, the barn's clean. It's, it, it, it'd be much nicer for our churches if we didn't let the youth or the children do anything. <laughs> we'd have nice facilities, we'd have clean carpets, and we'd have a very seamless, smooth worship service. But if you really want to do the work of discipleship, well, guess what? The barn's going to get dirty because the ox are there. And we need to be okay with that. We need to rejoice in that. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a service I was in recently. And for this particular church, they had had to remain online for quite a long time. And now they're back. It's the first Sunday back. And as the pastor was giving the message, a baby just sort of wailed out, you know, a cry. And you could tell for the entire congregation what a moment of beauty that was. Mm. Um, in fact, you know, the one speaking even mentioned, I have missed that cry for so, so long. Yeah. That kind of the beauty of the mess of it all, you know? Yeah. Well, and Tyler, you make a really good point as to uh, the fact that so often in the, the direction that we've taken with our worship services and thinking about the gathering, uh, that we try to do some perfect production. Um, and Stephen, you even mentioned how we, we have to essentially define worship. I think we need to do the same thing for our gatherings, right? What is the purpose of the congregational gathering? You know, here's the body of Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul says uh, we are the body of Christ, which means a bunch of different parts. He also calls us the family of God. And a family is made up of all different ages, you know, grandmas and grandpas and little grandchildren and everywhere in between. And so if we are going to be this family, then as we gather on a Sunday morning, what does it look like to respond to the Lord in worship as a family? What do you guys think? Um, how would you respond to that? 
I, I fully, fully agree with that. I think, you know, one of Paul, Paul's big projects was to say, no matter where you come from in society, you have an equal place at Eucharist, an equal place at the table of communion and placed such high value on the role of the church family and let's say the nuclear family um, and that kind of from, from particular to general or the specific of the, the nuclear, let's say, to the more universal and everybody, no matter who you are, old, young, everything in between, having such an important role yeah. to play. Yeah. So I agree with everything we've said. I'm the worship pastor at my church. I would love to do this, but I have no idea where to start. How do I begin doing multi-generational, intergenerational worship at my church? I'm going to let Tyler go first. Well, it sounds simple, but maybe just try it, you know, uh, talk with, uh, you know, if you're at a church where you do have separate programming for youth. Um, maybe start with just a discussion with, uh, you know, your youth pastor and your children's pastor or whoever, you know, handles those things and, um, senior pastor and, um, maybe, well, maybe it even starts simpler than that. Maybe it's just, uh, finding a few, uh, you know, for talking specifically youth, um, you know, finding a few youth who have shown gift areas, you know, musical and not musical, and maybe just taking a few, starting with a few, and, and starting to incorporate and engage them uh, in in leading, um, and even going beyond that, and really, uh, you know, asking them questions of what do they see, and also you know, teaching them through that process, um, asking them questions of what, what, how do you, uh, what does worship mean to you? Um, you know, when, when you come on, maybe they haven't thought of this, but like when you come in and on Sunday morning, like, what do you see as a, you know, as a, as a youth, um, you know, maybe it's even just that, um, just that building of relationship and listening. I think something, Overall, I think I'm, I'm recognizing more in my own life of, you know, the, how, you know, slow we are to listen and rather than say what we, uh, say what we want rather than take a step back and just to, to listen to someone else's perspective. So. Absolutely. I, I really like that. Um, I think what you're hinting at there is like ownership right? Helping them feel some ownership in what is going on uh, within the worship service and at the church. And if they're part of some sort of leadership team or committee or whatever you call it at your church, um, to not only help them to feel like they're part of the foundation and the groundwork, uh, but also to, you know, hear from them 
right? Hear their perspective, but, and then on the flip side, have them hear the perspective of people that are older than them to maybe help them understand why decisions are made and why things are done a certain way. I love that. Yeah. And Tyler, what you were saying made me think about the fact that in so many ways, this really is about relationship more than it is about performance. Hmm. Um, maybe, I, maybe we could pause there for a second because I think in some way performance is simply a part of what we do. Um, there's even an aspect of preaching and teaching um, any kind of artistic endeavor that has performance as one of its ingredients, but that's not the end game. That's, that's simply a vehicle for something much larger and grander, you know, especially in corporate worship. But having said all of that, the relational piece, if that's not there, um, then what is this whole thing about? Mm-hmm. This aspect of community that we value so greatly. And it also makes me think about the power of the idea, I believe in you. Yeah. If I'm willing to, to say that or just strongly infer that, then there's something so tangibly sustaining about that for a young person to know. Yeah. Regardless, this person believes in me. They've been around, they've seen life, they've been a part of this community. I could really mess up and that's okay. They still believe in me. It's yeah. all going to be okay. Well, and you know, if you think about it, you know, I mean, with specifically younger generations, Gen Z, um, millennial, um, but you know, the culture that, you know, I mean, I'm sort of in that, you know, a digital uh, generation, you know, where, so many things are just uh, fake, you know, putting on this face, this facade of, um, you know, putting my best out there. And I mean, in relationship, if you're going to pursue true relationship, you can't, you can only hide for so long. Um, and, you know, I love that, you know, I, that idea that, you know, when relationships are formed, like it's one, it's messy relationships are messy. Um, they're not polished. They're not perfect. And, but through those experiences, I mean, you do life together to see and grow and like, man, what a powerful thing for, um, you know, for individuals to pursue, you know, youth and for them to say, wow, like this person actually like cares about me in a deeper way than, you know, quite honestly, you know, what a lot of just their surrounding culture around them is, you know, we only care about you if in some ways, you know, it's like, if you like our post, if you um, agree with what we're saying, um, but man, like that's Mm -hmm. powerful. Wow. Wow. That's, that is a conditional love or, is that even love at all? I mean, I, it, it does beg the question. Yeah. Well, you take that, you know, into further, you know, Colossians says, you know, uh, 
love is what binds us all together. You know, it's, you know, true love, you know, hopes all things, bears all things. I'm paraphrasing that wonderful verse from first uh, Corinthians. Um, but um, yeah, you know, there's a, I think there's, yeah, that I think even bringing up love uh, in that regards, like we care for one another as a community that goes beyond just our age ranges but we see that ultimately to truly love one another is to, is sac, uh, self-sacrificial in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point because with congregational worship, I think the, one of the most important reminders for us is it's not about me, right? As, as we gather together corporately for worship, I really should be coming to the worship service thinking of others before myself. I mean, we are there to focus on God, but to focus on God together as the congregation. One of the things that I like to encourage people with in our church is as you gather on Sunday morning, don't be thinking about what will bless me, but how can I be a blessing to someone else this morning? Don't think, uh, I, I hope they sing my favorite song, but think, man, I really hope they sing Tyler's favorite song this morning. I don't like that song. I think it's a dumb song, but I know he likes it. It's his favorite. And if we sing it, he's going to be blessed. And that's going to bless me because it's blessing him, right? So we come to corporate worship in, uh, with a different perspective and um, it, the same is true for all ages, right? If, if I'm younger, which is probably a good point to make, uh, intergenerational worship isn't just about including the young, right? But also including the old. I mean, there are a lot of churches today that are on, on more of the younger side where senior citizens would feel uncomfortable there. Uh, but we're still the family of God. We need to be including people of all ages. So if I come in and I'm on the younger side and the church sings an older hymn, I don't turn my nose up because, you know, this is old and I don't like this, but you know what? This is blessing grandma. I can see how this is important to her. This is a song she grew up singing and that's actually blessing me and I can appreciate this. And now I can worship through this old hymn and vice versa, right? Um, one of the things that I think we always have to be careful of is when we include children and youth, how does it not become a performance or just a cuteness factor of the worship service, right? Which can happen, you know, when you're older, grandma and grandpa is, you know, in the service and they see all the kids up there and, it can actually easily become not a moment of worship, but a moment of performance. And, oh, wasn't that wonderful? Weren't they so cute? You know, uh, so that's another aspect. So how do we include children and youth in worship without it seeming like a performance? What are some of those things that we can do to help avoid that? And maybe we don't have the answers other than a basic answer of man we just need to understand worship better right which i think is a really good point but do you have any other thoughts on that 
Well, um, I mean, I would say I, I definitely don't have all the answers and it's something that I'm trying to figure out. I think one of the challenges I face in that and just thinking through that is specifically in my context, our, our kids ministry sings a lot of songs that, I mean, we don't do in our, in big church, if you want to call it that. Um, so there's a challenge there of there's almost even just separation of like, and we've kind of mentioned this kids coming in and not really even knowing, you know, it's as if they're learning, they're learning even a new language coming into our midst. And so in this, in the opposite way, you know, when we bring even kids in, uh, you know, maybe in some way they're speaking almost a different language. And, you know, if we bring songs that they have done, it begs the question, you know, one, if we do have separated times of worship for kids and adults, uh, what are kids singing? Are we just kind of, you know, leaving that to the discretion of, you know, volunteers. And I'm not saying that volunteers don't have a, a read on that, but, um, you know, do we put the same amount of intentionality into our, our children's programming? Um, and, you know, do we maybe sometimes sell kids short of, you know, what they're able to, absolutely, uh, you know, actually sing and, 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 yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with that point that I think that we are doing that too often. Uh, kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for and oftentimes have a deeper connection with God than most adults in our congregation. Yeah, mm, That's really interesting. I also wonder too, if maybe it's worth unpacking the notion of, let's say the Levitical choir in the congregational choir. Uh, Chronicles describes the Levites in some cases as the ones who are willing to stand and dare I say perform, regardless of who's going to join in. They're pointing the way, saying we're here, we're doing this. It's game on. And if our children are singing their hearts out, playing their hearts out, and our youth and whatever ages, as long as, as that performance is not the idol, but the whole thing is at least directed towards God. Mm-hmm. And then maybe as our maturity grows, we learn how to sh- continue to shift that focus off of ourselves. Yeah. Um, maybe there's more bandwidth there than, than we think. I don't know. Sure. Curious about your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I mean, if I understand what you're saying correctly, um, you know, maybe we, yeah, we often come into our times of worship together, our, our gathered, you know, Sunday mornings, um, you know, what do I get out of this? And if this song particular maybe isn't something I've heard, like, oh, I can't engage, you know, or I can't, I can't, uh, I can't jump into that because it's just weird or I don't feel comfortable because mm. I can't fully respond. Um, but I love that, you know, even, you know, there's a, if I assume that's what you're saying, Stephen, you know, just that, you know, maybe something different, you know, that they're leading, you know, our kids are leading the way in a, in a different aspect that maybe we haven't considered. Yeah. Did I hear you correctly on that? Yeah, I think so. 
that's that's where my mind goes anyway as part of this conversation. Maybe there's more to add, but yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the the practical aspects of what are some of the practical things that we can do to include children? Um, so, you know, that's one, right? Bring them in and have them sing a song maybe that they, they have learned in the children's ministry area that might not be familiar with the broader congregation. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that at all. Um, and my comment earlier was more probably a, a personal heart issue where you just have to uh, figure out how to not see it as, oh, that was cute. I'm glad we did that. I'm glad they had an opportunity, but wow, they are singing truths about who God is. Even if it's a, like a childish song, there's still truths in there. And how can I then respond to who God is as a part of this congregation, even through children singing a song? Yeah. Um, I think another way just practically to begin incorporating intergenerational worship is to start simple and even start small and incorporate kids and youth um, in things that you normally are already doing. And it may not be music related, but have a kid pray in the service or have a teenager read the scripture, you know, for that Sunday. Uh, something just as, as simple as that starts to help the congregation see that worship goes beyond just what we've normally done, but includes people of all ages. Um, yeah, I don't think it has to be this big event necessarily for it to be intergenerational worship yeah i love that and i wonder too if part of this is both up uh, involving the aspect of building and garnering buy-in from our leadership if my if my senior pastor is not bought into the idea or the other members of the staff okay, let's maybe work through that and see where that might take us. But in addition to the buy-in of the congregation. Mm -hmm. And part of me wants to say that worship, both in personal and corporate worship, has an aspect of comfort and an aspect of discomfort. Yeah. If the words of Jesus are not comforting me today, I'm probably misreading him. Mm -hmm. But if they're not discomforting me in some way, I'm probably also misreading him. And should, our, should not our corporate worship also reflect a willingness to be uncomfortable, even if it means crossing generational boundaries? Yeah, that's good. Speaking of being uncomfortable, what are some obstacles that we might face when trying to implement <laughs> intergenerational worship like i'm thinking there's got to be some things that are going to be roadblocks for us i'll defer on this one because i think maybe that buy-in is one of those roadblocks mm -hmm. um so maybe tyler has some some wisdom for us on this one yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've kind of uh, captured some of those within our conversation. Uh, you know, I first think of, you know, even we start with ourselves. you know, are we willing to, I, I mean, I know for myself, uh, you know, as a, uh, you know, an artist in some way in the, in music and just, you know, I want what I do to reflect, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, within me, there's a, um, selfish desire, like, oh, I want to feel that praise and to, you know, to have a mindset of, you know, what we've talked about, that humility and, and, uh, and deferring to, for the sake of others, uh, to, to see, you know, them, uh, grow. And, um, I mean, definitely, I mean, I think that's the hardest challenge, you know, and, you know, question is like, you know, for, you know, worship leaders or pastors who are at churches where, you know, what do you do when your, you know, leadership is not for that. And, you know, wants to go, a, you know, says, you know what, no, like, this is how we want to do this. And, right. um, I mean, I think, I mean, those are, I feel like the first two areas to start and then, yeah. And then, I mean, I think it's just, honestly, I mean, I, it goes back to, have, are we building relationships, not for the sake of getting people to see from our perspective, but that we're creating understanding and even, you know, are having the heart, are getting to the place where we can actually share our hearts and, and they know where we're coming from. And um, yeah, um, I think those are the two things that really come to mind. Yeah, I think that there can be a variety of obstacles, the ones that we've touched on. I mean, even as simple as um, this isn't the way we've done it before, mm-hmm. or it's really going to mess up our schedule then for Sunday mornings because we, we have a rotation for children's ministry leaders and they do it a certain way. And now you're asking them to bring the kids into the worship service on a Sunday morning. Well, that messes up the whole flow over there, you know, uh, logistical, you know, nightmares that come when you change things around. Um, and I just think, you know, Tyler, you hit the nail on the head relationships is key. And with that, any good relationship has good communication. So I think from a leadership standpoint, if this is a direction that you feel called for your church to engage in intergenerational worship, that setting the vision and communicating that vision, um, if this is something that is not the norm for your church, this is a pretty big cultural shift. Uh, It's a big culture change. And the bigger the culture change, the slower you should move toward it. You know, I always liken cultural changes to a speedboat or a cruise ship, right? If you need to make a left turn, you're going to be able to do it a lot quicker in a speedboat than a cruise ship. Speedboat's going to be able to do it in, what, 20 seconds? The cruise ship's going to take two hours to make that same turn. Cultural changes in churches are more like a cruise ship than a speedboat. You don't want to throw people out of the boat because you turn too quickly right? Uh, Take your time, communicate, share the vision, get people on board. 
um, as you're moving toward this new idea. Uh, and this is one of those big changes if you haven't done that before. So my encouragement is just start slow, right? Incorporate people of, of varying ages in different elements of the worship. And it doesn't, again, does not have to be music. That's not what we're talking about. It goes beyond just music. It could be scripture readings. It could be prayer. Uh, it could be um, the, you know, aspects of the sermon, or, you know, it could be the songs. Um, depending on your tradition, you could have the kids help with communion. And it's really scary, but, you know, um, a lot of different options because we're talking about worship, right? And worship goes beyond just music elements. And one of the things that I really appreciate is not just when we incorporate a kid into the worship service, but when I see old and young working together. That to me is just a beautiful picture of who we are as the family of God. Yeah. Uh, well, as we're preparing to wrap up here, do you guys have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Something that we haven't covered that, you know, popped in your head and we didn't have a chance to share or, uh, uh, an encouragement or a challenge to those that are watching? Stephen, I'll just add one thing I was thinking about a moment ago, and that is the value of food. Oh, yeah. Um, sounds so maybe trivial, but food has such, such the potential to help people gather and have conversations and maybe even work through difficult times together or conflicts, learn about one another, you know, in, in different ways and bond um, over those meals and hanging out. So that does come to mind, even, you know, if it's a special project that is intergenerational or if it's including youth on the worship team or, you know, a young adult leading a children's, whatever it is, that can be maybe a, a factor. And I was also thinking about the idea of mentoring itself. Um, I do wonder if maybe there's more to unpack there with what is mentoring. Um, in fact, quick plug. So Dr. Jen Graffius, who is on faculty and works in the Center for Vocational Ministry here at APU recently wrote an article that we posted for Angelus Worship, and it was about mentoring hmm. her area of research and her doctorate and the value of that. And she actually outlines the story of the Greek character, character mentor who King Odysseus brought on to mentor his son Telemachus and said, I want you to stay here in Ithaca. And hang out with my son. And, and the point of the story is mentor did not take on the role of, I want to clone myself and Telemachus is my clone. Rather, Telemachus is meant to flourish on his own, to become his own fully unique wow. person. And that is my role to help him find who and what that is. Very cool. So where do we find that article? Oh, yeah. So apu.edu slash worship arts is the general homepage. And then you can just go to resources and it's uh, right there as one of the, the articles. Great. 
Yeah. Now, speaking of resources, Stephen, tell us about the Angelus Worship Institute and some of the events that you might have coming up. Yeah. So the Institute as a whole, the initiative is focused expressly, uh, well, primarily on intergenerational worship, um, in addition to breaking down all sorts of boundaries in worship, um, multicultural and, and the like. So we, it's been such an exciting project, and we have a cohort of churches that we give funds to each year that they are essentially piloting a project you know, at their church and seeing where that might take them. And then we get to learn from, from them. They're really in the driver's seat. And then we have events on campus as well to help support the churches, their youth, broader community, anybody who wants to participate. So things like a worship arts lab, which is a week-long worship arts academy for youth and their adults mentors in the summer. They come to campus and stay. Uh, something called the Songwriting Academy that we just started this year. So Matt Redman was our, was our guest this year. And then uh, a summit that happens in late January, a one-day intergenerational worship conference. Great. Yeah, so I would highly encourage anybody who's listening who wants to dive deeper into this idea of intergenerational worship, um, apu.edu slash worship arts. Find out more about the summit that's coming up in January and um, bring, your, bring your youth and the mentors and your leadership of your church you know, sign up and head over to APU. It's pretty fun. There's people painting on the lawn, writing together, attending seminars together. Uh, there's a showcase at the end, which is really fun too. So yeah, it's at the end of January, right? January 29th. Perfect. Yeah, it's a Saturday. Great. Yeah. Good. Uh, Tyler, any final words? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, for, for both encouraging for both uh, youth and uh, older generations uh, for youth, um, man, uh, you know, seek out those mentors, you know, Stephen was saying, you know, the value of, of mentorship, uh, seek out, um, you know, older generations to learn and grow from. And then for also for older generations, um, you know, I think, you know, in similar way, you know, seek out uh, another, um, be curious of what someone else maybe has to share in the conversation. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, lastly, I mean, uh, for, for worship leaders, you know, I uh, think pray, you know, pray that God mm -hmm. would, uh, you know, give us wisdom and understanding and uh, how to more faithfully you know, worship, uh, you know, how to appropriately engage that in our congregations. Um that's all yeah all i am yeah yeah good word yeah prayer is key in all of this right um figuring out how the spirit's going to lead and direct so as we finish up here let me uh close with reading psalm 71 it's verses 17 through 18 and then i'll ask Stephen if you'll pray for us uh, as we finish up here oh god from my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Well, Father, we come before you today just 
grateful for the opportunity and the great privilege to have these kinds of conversations and to think about human beings created in your image, young and old, who all have such an integral role to play in the nature and the act of worship. And just as Tyler mentioned a moment ago, our need for wisdom and would you help us as leaders to seek that wisdom? Mm. Would you give our, our youth the courage, um, the fortitude to be who they are in you and to shine that light brightly? Would you grant our communities a new sense of vision of who we can be and what we can exemplify as people who are fully committed to Christ, fully committed to who you are and whatever that means for us as followers of you. Thank you for the chance to have this conversation. I pray a blessing on Stephen and on Tyler as they continue to do their good work and ministry. And for all those who may be listening or have listened to this conversation, um, would you continue to give encouragement and inspiration and strength and again, that wisdom. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.